0: So a few years ago, I'm not sure if they're still around, I don't think they are, but a few years ago, Southwest Airlines ran a series of commercials with the tagline, want to get away? Uh, so they would show someone who was in an awkward situation that they didn't want to be in, and then the tagline would come up, come up want to get away. So here's an example of one of those, one of those clips. Sweet. Now throw me a pitch, just like we're outside. Want to get away? Yeah, so that type of situation. So a situation like that would happen, something awkward, undesired, and then the person would say, want to get away. Anybody ever been in that situation and thought, I want to get away? Uh, You may feel that way not because you're in an awkward, uncomfortable situation. You may feel, I want to get away because... I'm just overwhelmed with life right now. I'm exhausted. I'm busy, not the good kind of busy, but I'm just absolutely overwhelmed with life. And if I could get a cheap one-way plane ticket right now and get away, I think I would take that right now. We feel that, we feel that need. I just need to get away. The question is, what can we learn from Jesus about how to address that question when you feel overwhelmed? When you feel stressed out, when you feel exhausted, when you feel the bad kind of busy, when you just want to get away, what does God's word have to say about that? Mark chapter 1, verse 32. Mark chapter 1, verse 32. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered at the door. This reference here to all of these people being brought to Jesus here in Mark chapter one, verse 32. As they're brought to Jesus here, it says at evening, this is the first of six references to evening in the Gospel of Mark because Mark is going to take us through a metaphorical week of Jesus's life leading up to his death and his resurrection and the new creation is coming in. And you see here that everyone is piled at the door. The imagery here that you should have in your mind, and we're going to find this more when we get into chapter 2, you should feel as if Jesus is being pressed in. All of this weight, all of these needs are coming right there to his door, and it would be really easy in this moment for Jesus to be completely overwhelmed, completely stressed. You may have a job like this, where you feel like everyone's pain and everyone's problems are just kind of laid at your door, Like Think of yourself sitting in your office and everybody is gathered around your door with a new problem, a a new difficulty, wanting you to take care of it. You may be this person in your family. People just continue to put their problems and their pain on you and your family as you're dealing with these things. We feel this stress. What does Jesus do about this? Verse 34, verse 34, he healed many who were sick with various diseases and he cast out many demons but he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In this situation, Jesus is caring for the crowds, and he's confronting the demons and their power and not allowing them to spread their power, but one thing that I want you to see, and it's gonna become very clear in the next few verses, Jesus does not allow the crowds, and Jesus does not allow the demons to dictate what his ministry is going to look like. He cares for the crowds, the people that are hurting, he addresses those needs, He confronts the power of the demons, but they don't determine, they don't drive what Jesus' ministry is going to be all about. Because what does Jesus do in the next verse? Verse 35 Rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Now, if you've ever been concerned about being able to truly follow Jesus, this might be the place where you're really nervous because what's the pattern of Jesus's life? He wakes up very early in the morning to spend time with the Father here. So here's your moment, okay? You don't get to say either or, you don't get to like, you have to pick one or the other. I wanna know who the morning people are in the room and I wanna know who the morning's the worst thing ever invented people are in the room, okay? So who would identify themselves as a morning person. Who wants to take the morning category? Wow, not bad, not bad. All right, who wants to say morning does not exist and should not exist? Who's taking that? Wow, all right. So we're gonna go maybe uh, two-thirds not morning, maybe three-quarter not morning, the rest, the rest taking the morning here. What's going on with this idea that very early in the morning, here's Jesus drawing away. What does it say? He departed, he intentionally got away And went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. That reference to a desolate place is important because we've already seen the wilderness. It's the same word for wilderness. The very beginning of Jesus' ministry, the Spirit sends him out into the wilderness where he has to confront the reality of spiritual warfare as he begins his ministry. And yet every day, a lot of his days begin with getting away, going out, spending time with the Father, and then doing the ministry. Why does this matter? Why does this matter? Because Jesus realizes that the ministry that he has been called to do, he can't do without maintaining this relationship with his heavenly father. He needs to listen to the father before he talks to other people. He needs to be with God before he's with people. He needs a time of calm before he walks into the chaos of life. He needs good private life before he goes out into public. Guess what we need? (laughs) We need to listen to God before we talk to other people. We need to be with God before we're with other people. We need a little bit of calm before we walk into the crazy of life. We need to deal with our private life so that we can go out into public and do what God has called us to do. You see this pattern in Jesus' life that's developed, that he needs to get away for this time with the Lord so he can do what God has called him to do. He does this as a pattern in his life, but there's also particular times of intense oppression and difficulty. Three times, three times in the Gospel of Mark, Mark specifically mentions that Jesus gets away for prayer. It's right here when the crowds are pressing in on him, It's when he feeds the 5,000. We're going to get to that in several months when he he has that time. And it's in Gethsemane right before his crucifixion. Three distinct times, and, and as we go through Mark, you're going to find that he's obsessed with the number three. All over the Gospel of Mark, he will tell something three different times as his way of saying this is really important. Three times, Jesus gets away when he is completely overwhelmed by the reality of life, and he spends time with the Father. Now, How do the disciples respond to this? Like, they've got to be really impressed that Jesus is getting away. Verse 36. Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. So moms in the house, uh, those of you who just need a little time for yourself during the day, and you go and lock yourself in the bathroom thinking they can't find me for at least for a little while, and then one of the kids finds you and says, hey, my brother's looking for you. And you're like, just leave me alone, just for a minute. Like, I just need a couple of minutes by myself. Jesus gets away, and what do the disciples do? They literally hunt him down. The word here for the fact that they are searching for him this isn't the regular word for searching for someone. This is the idea that they are hunting him down. They are trying to find him. Why? Because the crowds are coming after him. You see two confusions that happen here. The crowds keep coming to Jesus because they want Jesus to do more good things for him, for them. But Jesus isn't after trying to grow a big crowd. That's not what Jesus' ministry is all about. And the disciples, they think it's their job to dictate Jesus' schedule and ministry. Many times in the Gospels, they think they know what's best. Jesus, hey, you need to be doing this. And it's not what Jesus needs to be doing. And they're getting in the way. And Peter especially runs into this problem later in the Gospels. What happens in the next verse? Verse 38. Jesus said to them, okay, you found me. Hide and go seek's over. Let us go on to the next town's that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Just because the crowds here wanted to see Jesus do more amazing things, that's not his purpose. That's not why he came. As he would get away with the Father, those times of getting away and spending time with the Heavenly Father clarified what his purpose was in life. In life, prayer drives the purpose of our lives. The more time that we spend in prayer with the Lord, the more time we spend with the Lord, there's clarity of God, okay, now I understand your purpose for my life. Now I understand what I should be doing. If we don't get away and spend time with the Lord, everybody else will dictate what your life is supposed to be about. Everybody else will dictate your plans and your schedule. The circumstances of life, they will not calm down. I'm the world's worst, absolutely the world's worst at saying, Amanda, If we can, just a couple of weeks. Like, if we can just get through the next couple of weeks, things are really going to calm down. She would tell you, however far 17 years into our marriage, they still have not calmed down yet. Like, she's still waiting for whatever's around those couple of weeks when everything's going to calm down. If we're waiting for the circumstances of life to let up, for us to be able to get away and spend time with the Lord, it's just not going to happen. We get away for those times so that we can go on with the life that God has called us to live. We get away so we can go on. We pray, we spend time with the Lord so we can know what his purpose is for our lives. And here, Jesus' purpose is so unique because when he says, let us go on to the next towns, the way that language is presented is he's not going up to more important towns, he's going out to the villages, the places that would have been less popular, less well-known. Jesus is not chasing fame. Jesus is chasing the Father's will. And in life, it's so easy that we want to chase fame, we want to chase success, and the Father says, no, no, you're going to spread out. This ministry is going to go to these other villages, these people that aren't considered important. You're going to go to them and share the good news. We get away so we can go on. We pray so we can know the purpose that God has for our lives. Verse 39, and he continued, He went throughout all Galilee. This became the direction for his ministry. He went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. If you hang around Emmaus for a while, we say that we exist to proclaim and display Jesus. We wanna speak about Jesus with our words and we wanna display the good news of Jesus with our actions. That's what Jesus is doing here. He went out, he preached, he proclaimed the message, And he was casting out demons. He was showing the power of God on display. Verse 35, Jesus went out to pray. Verse 39, Jesus went out to minister. And it had to happen in that order. He had to deal with his inner life. He had to deal with his relationship with the Lord so that he could then go out and do the ministry that God had called him to do. Those of you who have been around church for a while, if you've, maybe you've volunteered for decades in ministry, in church, you've, you've been, you've, you know the church game, you've been around church for a while. If we're not careful, you can continue to do the church things, you can continue to do the ministry, you can continue to volunteer, but if you're not dealing with your soul, if you're not growing personally, if you're not spending time with the Lord, before you know it, you're just doing the ministry out of your own strength. And you're just doing it because you're supposed to do it, and you're not doing it because you're getting away and spending time with the Lord and being strengthened so that then you can turn around and do the ministry. And if you start to do the ministry on your own strength, pretty soon, you're going to burn out. You're going to burn out. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get bitter. You're going to get bored. You're going to get tired because it's not coming from a life that's driven by this relationship with the Lord. Jesus had this ministry that he was called to, the service he was called to, But he was able to do that ministry because he knew that he was the Son of God. His identity drove the ministry that God had put before him. I want you to see this next slide. We're going to talk after this slide really about some very direct ways that you can apply this passage. But this is the most important thing. When we read scripture, the first question that we ask is not, hey, what should I be doing? The first question we ask when we read the Bible is, what does this tell me about God? How does this allow me to know Jesus more? And so when you see this passage here this morning, I want you to see that Jesus is the Son of God. He knew his relationship with the Father. He knew his identity, and he is the servant of God. This is picking up those really cool Old Testament themes from Isaiah and what Jesus had come to do. He knew his identity, and he knew his ministry. And so our response is that we would repent and believe in him, that we would give our lives to him, that we would follow him and worship him. So if you're here this morning and you are not a follower of Jesus, this is the most important slide. This is the one that I want you to see, that when you read the Bible, the Bible is revealing to you who Jesus is and what he came to do. He is the Son of God who deserves all of our worship, and he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for you. To give his life to die for you in your place so that our sins are taken away and we're given eternal life. That you would give your life to him. That that would be your response this morning to scripture. And as we follow Jesus, as we turn to him, the pace and rhythm and the way that Jesus lived, that should impact our lives. I know that this dates me a little bit, um, but I think they're coming back in style. Anybody remember the old WWJD bracelets uh, that were around for a while? So I think those WWJD bracelets, I mean, I had a whole armful of WWJD bracelets back in the, uh, back in the day. So WWJD stood for what would Jesus do? Um, and you would ask yourself, like in this situation, how do I learn about the life of Jesus so I can turn around and live like him? I want you to think about that from this passage this morning. What does this passage teach us about the way of Jesus? If you follow Jesus and you see how he conducted his life and his ministry, what does that tell us about how we should live? There's three points I want you to take from this about the way of Jesus. That Jesus lived a life of devoted prayer to God. Jesus lived a life where he had a clear purpose for his life, and Jesus lived a life of active perseverance. He kept going. He kept doing what God had put in front of him. Jesus lived intentionally without hurry. He knew what he was called to do, but he didn't get in a hurry. Most of us, including myself, frantically run around busy and in a hurry, but very little intention about what we're doing with life. And when we know and follow Jesus, friends, it gives you a purpose for your life, it gives you a direction for your life, it gives you perseverance for life that guides you to invest your life in the right ways, not just being busy. How do we avoid, though, that trap of just being busy, just running around frantically all the time? No direction, no purpose in life. It has to begin with devoted prayer if you are uncertain the next step that you're supposed to take in life, maybe you're in a place where life just feels really uncertain for whatever's next. You got people telling you what to do, you got ideas of where you could go, things you could do, like you just feel really, I know I need to take a next step in life, I just don't know what that looks like. There is no greater response that you would just daily step back and spend that time with the Lord remembering who he is remembering how he works in your life, and then that you would also take extended times to really get away and seek the Lord's direction for your life. What does that look like? We don't just want to be busy. We want to have direction. We want to have purpose. We want to know we're doing the will of God in our lives. How do we go about that? Let me tell you a couple of things at this point that might might be helpful for you. Number one, I want to apologize, and I want to ask for your forgiveness and your help on this, I worry that sometimes because of my personality and and because of the way that that I approach things, that I get more busy and look more busy than than I should. Uh, People will tell me, oh, I would have really reached out to you about something, Owen, but you just just look so busy and seem so busy. Well, part of that is because of my personality. I've gotta have something to do all the time that I'm working on, and I really, really love my job, and so I am busy at it. But if I am ever too busy, to care for you and what God's doing in your lives, I'm just flat out too busy. And that's on me, not, not on you. That we would look at our own lives and say, is our goal to be busy, or is our goal to do what God's called us to do? And we, we all have to ask that question. We all have to think about that. And so for you in your life, here's what I'm asking you to commit to. If you are here this morning, and you are a follower of Jesus, can I ask you to get away So you can get on with doing what God's doing in your life. That every day that you would spend time getting away with the Lord. Now, let's say you're part of the two-thirds of people here who hate mornings. Like you just like, yeah, yeah, I'm not getting up and doing a morning quiet time. Like that's just not going to happen, Owen. I understand that. Perfectly understand that. First question you have to ask yourself is, okay, well, what are you doing the first thing in the morning? Like, is there some time there, two, three minutes, that maybe you're not taking good advantage of, that, that you're focusing yourself on the Lord? Make it a practice, instead of focusing, and this helps me so much. I hope this is helpful to somebody here this morning. Make it a practice where instead of feeling the pressure of spending 30 minutes with the Lord in the morning, like some people are really good at, what if you just picked three times during the day and just got away for five quick minutes? This is the practice for most of church history. The idea of a long morning quiet time is pretty new in church history. What's more common for Christians throughout the ages is there were multiple times during the day when they would stop for short periods and refocus themselves on the Lord. You might say, well, how do I do this? I'll tell you how you do this. You've got a cell phone, and you can set a bajillion alarms on these cell phones, okay? So many alarms. Some of you set an unbelievable amount of alarms during the day to make sure you don't forget things. You just set an alarm for three or four times during the day. The alarm goes off, and that's your reminder, I'm going to step away for two minutes, and I'm going to refocus myself on the Lord. I'm going to remember what he's called me to do, and I'm going to pray that the next step I take in this day would be honoring to him. You do that. And then you say, I'm going to take extended time at some point to get away. If you're here this morning and you are facing a life transition or you are uncertain what you need to do next or you're trying to find out how do I seek after the Lord, that you would commit in the coming weeks to take one day to get away and focus on the Lord. Really, I hope that every person who's a part of Emmaus would do this. Husbands, make sure you take care of your wife and she gets to do this first. Make sure, dads, that moms get this time. That every one of us at Emmaus would commit between now and Easter. Let's just say that. Let's say between now and Easter, every one of us at Emmaus would commit to take time to get away. Four hours, six hours. Get away and say, Lord, I need your direction. I need your strength. I need your guidance. I've got this on my plate. I've got this in front of me. Would you remind me how much you love me and how much you're at work in my life? If you need some direction on how to do that, you're like, "Oh, and that sounds great. I have no clue what I would do with four hours. I have no idea how I would do that. I wanna help you. This week, every week, almost every week, I send out an update email to our church family. I'll send out one of those this week with a few schedule reminders. I'm gonna send out a second email this week, and it's going to be a guide about what you can do to get away and spend time with the Lord. So if you're on our email list, you're going to see that come through. If you're not a part of our email list and, and you would like to, to get it, you can either fill out that card in the seat back in front of you, or you can take a picture of that QR code on the seat back. We'll get that information, and later this week we'll send that out to you. What does it look like to get away and spend time with the Lord? God, I need to know my purpose in life. I need to know what to do next. I need to know how to deal with this crisis. God, I need your direction. I need your strength. We want to do that as a church family. We want to care for one another. One last thing before we move into a time of prayer. When you get ready to spend time getting away with the Lord, seeking his direction, ask other people to pray for you as you get ready to go into that time. Don't go into that time of getting away, seeking the Lord's direction without nobody else knowing about it. Make sure other people know about it so they're praying for you as you spend that time. Daily, we're getting away spending the time with the Lord, and then we're setting these times that we can do this. Let me show you the final slide and how we're going to wrap up today. I didn't feel like we could preach about this and talk about this on Sunday morning and not live it out in this room before we leave. So from time to time at Emmaus, the way we wrap up the service is just with a time of prayer. Just with the time of prayer here in this room. Here's some ways that you can pray this morning. One of the most special ways that you can pray this morning is you just may want to gather with your family. They may be in other parts of the room and need to walk to you. That you would gather with your family and pray. That you would get together with some friends or people around you and pray. At the same time, we're going to have people spread around the room. We have a prayer team that's going to go to different places in the room. You may be here this morning and you need prayer for physical healing. You may be here this morning, and you would like to be able to pray together as a family, but you're just so overwhelmed. You're like, I don't think we can do that. We need someone else to pray for us. We need someone to pray over our family. There's going to be people around the room that want to do that. You may want to come up here to the front of the room and say, I just need to spend time on my knees before the Lord, calling out to him, asking for his forgiveness, asking for his strength, asking for his direction in my life. Don't waste the next few minutes. Don't leave this room without doing business with God, that you would spend time in prayer, that you would allow people to pray over you, and that God would do a powerful work in your life over the next few minutes as we seek him together as a church family. I'm gonna pray for us, and after I pray for us, we're gonna start playing some music, we're gonna have verses up on the screen, but as soon as I finish praying, that's your opportunity to pray together, pray with family, friends, there's gonna be people around the room Let's do this together this morning as an act of worship. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your kindness to us that leads us to repentance. God, thank you for how good and wise and patient you are with us. We take one step forward in life, and then we seem to take two steps backward. And God, Sometimes it feels so unclear about the next thing we're supposed to do in life or what our purpose is in life. God, I know there are people who have come in this room with just huge burdens on their shoulder. Um, They feel overwhelmed. They feel exhausted. And this morning is their reminder that you love them so much. God, that you are at work, that you are in control. God, that they would trust you this morning. God, would you draw families to pray together this morning? Would you draw friends to pray together this morning? And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way during this time. God, that we would respond, that we would be a church who prays. And Father, we give this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen.